This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Well, I've got a great podcast episode ahead for you. In this show, I'm joined by Taryn Haynes-Smart, who is Head of Product Development at the Digital Campus in Johannesburg in South Africa. She is a creative innovator who loves to use AI technology innovation to create fantastic learning experiences for people on university programs. So we talk not just about online learning and some of the tools and approaches that Taryn takes that are creative, but we also talk about what the impact of technology like AI means for the future of learning and development and how we can work with it and incorporate it in a healthy way into what we do. I do hope you enjoy the show. I loved the conversation. I'm sure you will too. And here we go with the episode. Taryn, thank you so much for joining all the way from South Africa. It's lovely having you on the show and I've been super excited that you're joining us. So could you tell us a bit about you? Because the theme for the show, it's all about harnessing technology, AI for innovation and so on. You're a real expert in this area. So tell us about you and what you do. Thank you, Joe. It's so lovely to be on your podcast today um, as your guest. I think I'd just like to start off saying I don't consider myself an AI expert. I do consider myself an enthusiast, shall we say. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, I'm based in, in Cape Town, uh, South Africa. To answer the question of who am I or what do I do, uh, there's always multiple ways for me to answer that. Uh, to be fair, depending on the context, and a few years back, I came across the most delightful term of a multi-potentialite. Um, and so I've just, I have adopted that and embraced that identity uh, and this idea of it, uh, of just having, not having one single big thing for my life, but having multiple areas and multiple creative interests. And I get to pursue and play with them every day. So a multi-potentialite, have I got that correct? Is that potential with ITE on, on the end? What a great word. I've not heard of that before. Some of the things that you do are at the digital campus. Is that right? One of the universities in South Africa? Absolutely. And so it's actually with, uh, we partner with a few universities. Our key partner, core partner from a South African university perspective is Wits University, which is, is one of our leading universities here. And Digital Campus really is a digital learning platform and partner to academic and other uh, universities and other academic institutions or learning institutions to bring what they would traditionally do in a classroom and to bring it online. As a multi-potentialite, as well as working with the Digital Campus, I mean, well, firstly, what do you do with the Digital Campus? But what else are you involved with? Give us some idea of the sorts of projects that you have got going on right now. Sure. So with Digital Campus, I head up the product management side of things. So that is essentially we're the engine that delivers the the product in the form of an online course to the market. We work with the lecturers, subject matter experts to engage with them, get that content and turn it into a digital asset um, and work with them 
in a online delivery thereof. We don't cut them out the process. They continue to journey with us. We just make what they do more scalable and free them up to really chase the things that they love doing um, more of and still give them their, their traditional lecturing roles and, and able to do that. Uh, so it is about making it accessible. It is about making it scalable uh, in terms of that. And yeah, so that is the, uh, I guess, typical day job, even though sometimes it's more than it takes up a whole lot more because they the head never stops. <laughs> but yeah, also to the creativity side of who I am, I also write poetry, short stories. Um, I create what I call my smart musings and, and which I post out on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and others where I just share a little bit of where my head is, my spaces, um, and what what skewers, the messages that skewer my heart that I think might inspire and excite others too. So today we're focusing on harnessing AI, digital tools, and data for innovation. And, and certainly within the online learning environment, I mean, it's such a growth area, isn't it? It's, it's booming. How did you get into that space then? What's your journey so far? How, how have you arrived here? I arrived, particularly in the digital or online learning, is I had started out fresh out of university and I had studied industrial psychology as part of my BCom degree. And so that that area of human potential and learning and development and HR kind of fascinated me. And from there and through opportunities and doors that were opened, I'd moved into uh, that, that kind of field and got involved in, in some tools around profiling and learning in that kind of space. That led me into a private education college, local college uh, from a South African perspective at the time, where I got to engage with uh, school leavers and, uh, and find out from them where their passions were and give them a bit of guidance and advice as to the kind of careers that they would pursue. And it, it grew from there and naturally as markets and uh, developed, as trends came about and as the tools developed uh, and as our customer demanded not a, no longer just a traditional uh, campus-based experience, uh, the environments out in then started to open doors to what was still very new at the time and more uh, probably more typically referenced as e-learning. From there, in those environments and spaces, I had held number, a number of roles from sales to the, the kind of career to the facilitation to the management of various functions, project management, key account management, that kind of thing. I think it's about 13 years ago, I, I joined LRMG, head of Digital Campus Today, where, where I am. And it was something that they were really playing a lot in the space, partnering with global uh, e-learning providers such as um, Skillsoft and, and, and those kinds of players. Mm -hmm. uh, also with the platforms, the learning management systems coming, coming through. And it went from there. So four years ago, I joined the Digital Campus team specifically and stepped in into it, uh, took the opportunity to fill a gap from a product perspective and have been, that's where, where I've been running and playing and enjoying myself for the last three, four years is absolutely in the, in the product space for digital campus. That's fantastic. What a great story. I started off in a similar way, actually. I studied modern languages at university and then wanted to prove that I could add up. So I went to study to be an accountant. And when I was doing my accountancy studies, I learned a lot about leadership management, you know, that some of the psychology elements of it as part of that professional development. And then my next move was into HR. 
Now, I came out of that to go into more directly commercial in terms of sales, business development, growth, those sorts of things, products. But I think it's, you know, like you, you, you've got that innovation background and experience and you put it together with the people focus. That's where the magic happens, isn't it, in terms of moving things forward. You say you are harnessing AI, digital tools and data for innovation. So firstly, I think it's intriguing. It's a great headline on your LinkedIn profile. So tell us what you mean by innovation, first of all. What does that mean to you? To me, I define it it is a a process of refinement and betterment. You know, it's something that is an incremental uh, journey. It's not about the huge Big Bang scenario of things always it can be absolutely (laughs) Uh, but it is it's about that looking for the new and different and just constantly asking ourselves the question is is there a better way to do this Mm. and I it's something that I can't necessarily pinpoint and say there's a specific moment in my life or a specific lecture or anything like that that um, made me think aha that's the the route to go I think it's always it's just always been something within in the sense that, uh, you know, there, there's always got it. I've, even sometimes when I probably don't have to be looking for a better way of doing things, I find myself thinking, I'm sure yeah. I can do this better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that, that sort of mindset, isn't it? And of, yes. of constantly wanting to, you know, strive, progress, do better, do fresh. Mm. Fantastic. So I, I, did my, um, I did my MBA, but I did it quite late. Uh, and then and then the PhD even later, obviously, finished that in my late 40s. But it, then it was sort of made sense that all this sort of intuitive um, mm. activity and behaviour was, was, you know, you put some context around it and some understanding. So from an innovation point of view, then, you're mm. clearly innovating in, in this space. How are you using AI digital tools? How are you innovating in the space that you're in? For me, the innovating in the space we're in has to be taken with um, as a, as a blended as in, in a blended approach and 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 a balancing approach because yeah. we are in an academic space so you know with the tools and things that are out there there absolutely is lots of shiny fantastic new objects that we can play with but I've also always got to keep in mind the academic foundation um, and ensure that whatever we're producing still meets an academic criteria or you know, foundation and base. So that is an important qualifier in my world. So I'm not always able to play quite as wildly as I would like to sometimes. Um, but it's also in that sense how we how we would use it is to also slowly shift. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that turn the temperature up little bit by little bit, uh, you know, a, as we go and push ourselves next time round, out the box, yeah. out the box, out the box. When I stepped in, certainly from a product, the, the product development custodian space and role, it, it was, there, there had really been evidence of good innovation coming through with the tools that are out there today in terms of authoring platforms, also the LMSs, uh, learning management systems and those sorts of things. It's easy to get comfortable though, you know, and think, okay, so now we've got a tool, it works for us, we know this recipe. And that's what we're going to use and follow. So one of the things that I really like to do with the team, I think sometimes they want to chase me away, <laughs> is it'll come across and I'll say, well, can we maybe do that differently this time? <laughs> you know, and so just and just look for the different ways. 
I think something for me that's key and critical too is leaning into what's going on in other industries around us. You know, think of the trends in the sense of, you know, particularly in the entertainment space. You know, so all of the stats are out there, attention spans dwindling, videos, all of those sorts of things. Um, you know, and so it's about leaning into that and saying, okay, so if we recognize the popularity of videos, um, which is why when you said, you know, we can do the audio or both audio and, and video, I was like, happy with video. And we know we know the power of video and we see that. But it was also about saying, how, so how do we bring those things then into the learning products that we're producing? It's not just about creating a, a feature film. It's not about creating that at all. But it's also about learning the lessons um, mm. and using what's out there to create something at the end of the day that will meet the objectives, but also delight. Yeah. yeah. So you said a few things there. Firstly, just to explore the theme of constraints. And I think it's really important that we do because that will resonate with so many people. And it's true in many cases, you know, uh, I, was, I was sort of thinking, unless you are um, Richard Branson or an Elon Musk, or you know, you're looking at space exploration and all of those things, but even then, there are constraints. You know, there are there's constraints through regulation, there's constraints through standards, there's constraints. So, but but constraints help us be more creative. Just because you can't do everything you would love to do in one go, for people who are watching and listening, you know, it doesn't mean to say that we don't innovate. We innovate within the space that we're in. And um, yes. in, in previous episodes, I've talked to people from the nuclear industry, from, from different financial services sectors and so on, and they're, they're highly regulated, and rightly so. So that's really interesting. And I suppose within that, it's about bringing some of the maybe academics and some more traditional, not that all academics are, right, but within that group, there might be some more traditional thinkers and there'll be those that are, yeah, bring it on. How do we start? Yes, we certainly have that mix and we see that mix with, with those, uh, with, with our, our subject matter experts. You know, for some of them, it is, it, this is not the way we've done it. It's not, you know, and so it, there, there's part of that journey to say, well, you know, let's we we had a work walk with you. There's others that are absolutely it's like cool. What you know, whether it be a, a tool to record their screens in the in the way they're presenting and bring those things to life. Uh, you know, there's the number of things out there uh, in our space today, and we're seeing with the the development of a lot of I get more of the the authoring tools and the video generation tools and things like that. There's a lot you can do at a far more cost effective. Yeah. Uh, price point today. Your podcasts are a great example of that. We don't a have to be in the same country in the same room. Yeah. To be able to film something that's effective uh, and gets the points across. Yeah, definitely. And I think also we've become more comfortable. You know, video has become a must. I think it was becoming a must pre-COVID because of definitely. just social media. And then, of course, through lockdown, we've all spent so much time on Teams or Zoom or a Google Meet platform of, of choice that we've sort of got a bit used to it. And I think that's that's enormously as well, hasn't it? Yes. So how are you using AI and tech to create a really fantastic digital learning experience for your users? It's for, for us, it, it has to start before we get into the tech, before we get into the digital tool, tools of the AI, it's got to start with the right foundation. In it. So, and that is a sound instructional design recipe and, and foundation for uh, defining the framework 
the learning outcomes and then writing storyboards into that. So we follow that clear process. We identify what those things are up front. And we are finding the tools out there in terms of what things like ChatGPT and that, that just help us sometimes refine what we, how we put that together or how we frame Mm. it in a way that is accessible. And certainly in the, in, you know, what that landed November last year and this, you know, we, we started playing with it in, in the last few months quite extensively as a team to really see how do we how can we use it to do a better job with what we do, not replacing what we do <laughs> and not trusting it completely. <laughs> You're using that from a creativity perspective. And are you using tools like design thinking or other creative, you know, facilitation workshops, techniques to get these storyboards created? How are you going about doing that? Yes, so so in terms of the connection and engagement with the lecturers, so that that's a space that is, um, I, I think my my focus on my next innovation realistically within the team. So we've tried various approaches to, especially the frameworking process, mm-hmm. uh, to get what's in a lecturer's head onto the onto the piece of paper as our north star. And so it is absolutely sometimes about being very creative around how best to do that and engage with that. So I'm excited about um, what, where we can really use some of the creative facilitation to, to do an even better job to speed that up. I think one of innovation's greatest opportunities is in time efficiency. You know, I think, and particularly what in our space, because... It's not necess- when we the lecturers and that we work with. It's it's not their sole focus. They're not an online lecturer. That's you know, uh, or they're not building content for online exclusively. It's something that's part of a broader portfolio. And so, it, it if it's not a priority, it can often get pushed to the side. Yeah. Um, and so we have to think about how we can support them, how we can use tech, um, because while I'm in Cape Town, I have lecturers all over the country. Um, so I can't necessarily pitch up on their doorstep <laughs> and say, I've got you for an hour, you know, you know spill yeah. your thoughts on a page. So it is about absolutely using the tech that's out there, the tools that are out there um, to do that, to capture that. And then also those, uh, the tools and technology that sits there from a design perspective itself, from the creation of the e-learning modules. You know, we get the storyboards and we use certainly use the good old Microsoft Office um, to to support that that journey and through the process, but then as we convert that, as we then digitize that, there's a lot of tools out there that that support our journey for that. Yeah, it's so much better. I can remember it was back around to the year 2000. I actually created a business plan for an online business with courses, but the tech so behind and cost prohibitive. You know, you'd have to sort of literally do a, a heap of coding from scratch and even then it would be clunky but now there are there are just so many options available aren't there so what tools are you using and for different things what, what would some of your preferred tools be so we in in terms of our the production of the actual e-learning content or piece we were using an, another html5 proprietary built solution but that introduced some of the coding issues if I needed if we needed to pair something it was a big mission developer etc and so quite a few years back we shifted across to articulate rise when that landed Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the and the the functionality within that and it's it's really it's not a 
it can be pricey, particularly from a, a South African rand-based <laughs> perspective. You know, with exchange rates, we're a little always a little bit uh, feel the pain of that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the tool for what we're able to produce with it, how quickly we can produce something with it, um, and certainly we've seen how they've also improved their processes at an articulate level, where you can start to embed. Uh, some of your other assets, like from Storyline and things, to make things a little bit more immersive, to make things a little bit more um, engaging from that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our content is primarily built in in Rise. We then use other things to support that in terms of when we build animations. Um, and there's a number of, of, of tools out there today that depending on exactly what we're wanting to build, uh, you know, my, my my design team takes care of that uh, for me. Yeah. So just to create what we ultimately want to push out that will be as effective as possible. Mm. We started to play a little bit with some of the AI video generation tools and just have a play. We haven't published any of them into a live course scenarios yet, but like DID um, videos and, and that creative studio uh, that we're starting to see some interesting things coming out of there. Mm. With one organisation I'm experimenting, I can never say it correctly, is Synesthesia, where you can actually just upload a script, choose a presenter, choose a style, put your own logos, backgrounds, slides in, the whole lot. I actually haven't I haven't come across that one as yet, so I must go it's, check it's that amazing. out. It's amazing, yeah, it's amazing. And I'm experimenting with it in a, in a corporate setting for people who normally would present certain elements of, of a programme to you know Mm. for new starters for instance and it's a repeated thing but they don't particularly want to be on camera but it's something that you know you you can segment into small bursts and people are are enjoying working with it so that's where and I came across that I think it was Facebook or something like that you know there's an advert for it popped up and it's something like I don't know twenty dollars a month subscription it's (laughs) super good have have a look at it so give us an example then because we will get into the the AI side of it but give us an example of, of what you think is a, a flagship program, online program or course for you. That's just, you think, you know, that's really well put together. That creates a fantastic delegate experience. Tell us about the program and what it is and then what makes it so amazing so we can all learn from, from what you're doing. You know, what I think for me is really exciting is, and it's not one that we are partnering from a university perspective. So it's, mm-hmm. it is looking at the topic of leadership but it's looking at it through a very creative and very different um, lens. So we're working with a really amazing team uh, that is very passionate about leadership, but also about African wildlife. And so they have uh, brought their experience as master trackers into a leadership journey. Uh, And it's something that they, uh, that, they, they present um, and they, they run as full-on facilitated programs today already. So they already know that, you know, in terms of a learning journey and the structure of it, that it works and it's powerful and it's messaging. Uh, but we're working with them to digitize that at the moment. And so we, we're looking and exploring it, how we bring that into, uh, and they've done some stuff already in, in their space around creating a virtual adventure. There is a product in the market today around around that that has this virtual adventure and that you can sign in and connect to this virtual adventure and go through this virtual walk through the Kruger National Park uh, mm. with these trackers and track lion, track the rhino, um, and they take you on a journey where you also engage with it and you asked to go on a mission with them. 
um, and complete this. And so when we first, we saw that as tools and we saw the opportunity to, to connect some of the real leadership business acumen into an exciting online experience. And so that's something that we're building at the moment. Um, that sounds fascinating. So how are you using AI then? You know, in the terms of the use of that, uh, you know, I'd mentioned we start, we're starting to explore a little bit with how, how we can use it to create some of the video video assets uh, for yeah. us, particularly to your uh, a point you had made earlier, too, about even though we're far more used to the, the video setting and scenario, not everybody is still comfortable putting themselves onto the screen mm. uh, in, in that sense and space. So... Um, there are some tools we've been playing with in terms of some of the, the voiceover narrations as well as the video elements and aspects to bring those to life and looking at ways that we can introduce those pieces. And then, of course, also experimenting with with ChatGPT um, through, through its journey. You know, for me, I think it's particularly something like, you know, and I know that in, and particularly in the academic space, there's a lot of concern around some tools like ChatGPT because it's not the only one um, yeah. that is out there today um, in that sense and but you know and I think what what for me is important rather than staying away from it because my, my sense is it's not going to go away um, if anything it's going to become more and more part of our lives I think there are spaces where you look at its functionality and its ability in terms of communication that we probably don't even realize that we're engaging with AI in some instances with online chats and things like that. But yeah. We probably are. Absolutely. So when we're, you know, on live chat with the bank mm. or the the utilities company or whoever, some, you know, a lot of that is AI driven. We've been yeah. exposed to AI for years with Google and our, our search history and social media and what's presented yeah. in our feed and, and, and all of those things. And it'd be interesting to see what happens with the market and the pricing and all of that. But mm. it's the democratization of AI. Now, if AI is being used to give people more of what they want, then you know, the companies and the person should, you know, ideally benefit. But I think it comes with a responsibility in how you use it. It does. And that's yeah. certainly how we've, we've applied it um, and, and how we apply it when we use it. It is with absolutes coming in with that, that responsibility to use it correctly, to use it ethically, um, and, and to use it with the, the sense that uh, to fact check it. You know, we, we know we know it can be creative. It's been taught to be creative. And I've played with a few things where um, I've pushed some information in on content or topics I know about, you know. And so that that's also important in the sense of also how you, how you can partner with your subject matter experts in the journey uh, to make sure. And it really is about making, uh, using it so for efficiency, using it for um, do what we do better. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, as an example, sitting down to write something, you know, and get it perfect that you think this is ready to go. It's got the, the all the marketing and all the, you know, it can take four, five, six hours, depending on where your headspace is when you sit down to do it. With tools like ChatGPT, you can frame, think about what you're wanting to say, prompt it correctly, get back something that can then trigger and that can cut that down. You need to tweak it. I've used it to get a short biography for someone who said, I need to write my biography. So if you're listening in the audience and you haven't tried this with ChatGPT, 
just ask it to write a biog of yourself and, and see what comes up. It's really interesting. The other thing is, so very shortly, and I know you're aware of this, Taryn, I've got an ebook coming out called The Creative Facilitation Handbook. And I didn't give ChatGPT any information at all. I said to it, literally, at one sentence, please could you write the sales blurb for Dr. Joe North's next book, The Creative Facilitation Handbook? And it came out and it was in less than a minute and it was impeccable. And that's what I'm using. I've looked at it and I've checked it. It's all good, you know, and I, I couldn't write it any better. The other thing is ask it to do video scripts or, you know, could you write a script for a 20 second or 40 second YouTube short you know and it just as you say it just gives you ideas doesn't it we, we've used it in very similar similar ways from a yeah even to the point of sort of the, prompting a course outline which we can as a, as a tool to help the lecturers capture what's here you know and yeah. what they would typically do so you know okay give us the, the the little bit of the blurb as to what are you trying to build let's see what it comes up with and then we can you know, frame where learning outcomes. Yeah. Not everybody's worth running learning outcomes. People in construction who are using it for method statements, you know, and yes, they're going to have to, yes. to put into contracts and things like that. They get they have to go back and edit, but it's so much quicker. That said, I'm concerned about it scraping other people's work and repackaging it. I know that there are people who invest a lot in developing great content. Their businesses depend on it and they're, they're looking at how they can protect their websites and content from being scraped by AI mm. in the future to keep that originality and to keep that protection. It's the same with any innovation, isn't it? That innovation happens so fast and then the, the regulation, the control, the support, the infrastructure around it is always playing yeah. catch up. So it's part of it. So what, what are your thoughts on that? From it and, and like you, we are using it. I am a, and a, a, an enthusiast and an advocate, and I yeah. get it in that, you know, the sense of it. But within the the right context and with responsible use. But I'm also a writer and a poet, so I, you know, and so certainly to the RP and the amount that I think you know when when it landed, the amount of new books Amazon suddenly got submitted, um, you know, for. To, to be pushed out and go live, but were written by this tool, you know, and that's from that side of things. Uh, yeah, I, particularly I get the well, I know ChatGPT can write a, a beautiful poem, but it's not the original authentic voice. Yeah. Um, in that in that sense, the the reality is that as as users of these tools, we we need to know we need to be sure that we're using it responsibly, and we need to fact check. Referencing is key and critical. So we can't just put, take anything out there, even what a lecturer says. Uh, you know, let's take Porter's model, you know, Five Forces model mm -hmm. as an example. That's mm -hmm. something that's followed me <laughs> through most of my studies at some point or other. <laughs> you know, you know, you can plug it in, ChatGPT can talk about a Five Forces model or a lecturer can talk about a Five Forces model. But it's important to make sure that that original source is attributed yeah. and referenced correctly. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think that would certainly be a good AI improvement. It yes. is crediting the people. But I think that said, without AI, the same issue exists in, in the non-AI world. Everybody's ideas really are, whether we know it consciously or not, come from the inputs that we've had, the data, you know, that's inside our head, that the experiences we've accumulated. I think for me, one of the uh, one of my little smart musings a couple couple of months back was this this idea that wisdom cannot be owned. 
only discovered. Yeah. You know, and so, and that's, you know, the, what knowledge is out there today is out there. And to, to that exact point, we build on what we learn over the years, how we engage with it. But what's important that we create and we add our meaning mm -hmm. uh, and our value to it and not claim something that's not ours as our yeah. own. Yeah. You know, and that is critical. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And I think, I think the opportunity for courses, authors, creators, poets, artists, I know some people are experimenting with AI generated art, music, you know, that the whole spectrum is, is massive in terms of the, the potential. But then that creates space for original humanness, you know, original, real people doing real things. Because AI can only go on what's been, can't it? AI is pulling from what is out there, you know, and, and I guess a little epiphany I had that I think I shared with you um, before we started as well was said, well, if you're going to call something artificial, then what did you expect? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And by the pure definition of what is artificial, it's actually not artificial intelligence because it is intelligence. It does exist. It's not fake. It's not, yes, sometimes it gets creative and makes things up, but Largely, it pulls from an existing source of intelligence, which comes from humans, comes from bodies of knowledge that have existed and do exist. So it's not artificial. It is technology-accelerated mm. intelligence. Yeah. And that is the difference. Yeah, technology-accelerated intelligence. Um, I think we need to um, copyright that. That's copyright, everybody, <laughs> to Taryn Haynes Smart, uh, just in case a future... I don't know, chat GPT version 7 or something that uh, goes back in time and <laughs> picks this up. It must be attributed, please, to Taryn Haynes-Smart. <laughs> so based on all of that then, what is the future, do you think? What's going to happen next with all of this stuff if you were to get your forecasting hat on? There are two aspects to, to this and, you know, uh, side of the ways we can look at this is the one is it's it is yet to stay it's it's not going to go away um doesn't matter who's calling to put a halt on it it will continue to be worked on in the background hopefully for the good hopefully for the view that um they, that it has its place um and it can work for for positive outcome and for positive benefits and hopefully that will outweigh the you know there is that in every aspect um you know, one, one of the downsides of, of, of humanity is there is always a dark side, uh, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, but I do, I, I guess I am still an eternal optimist and I do believe, um, I, I still still hold hope that that, that good, good will out, um, outweigh and will win over evil at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I think that's the thing. We can't unexperience and unlearn, yeah? In going forward, what is going to be important is driving education around it how do you use this thing um a colleague of mine made a made a fantastic point um uh, the, the other day as we were engaging and looking um at something in particular that had um particularly around chat gpt and her words to me were at you know that um what she said where she feels the most anxiety for users of these tools is those in our younger generation which i thought at first was well that's a bit odd because you know i mean our digital savvy digital natives why would they why would that be a difficult space for them but i loved her perspective on it she said because for us we we've lived a life and studied and done all the journeys 
So we know how to look at what's coming back at us with a broader lens to be able to evaluate, does this sound right? Do I trust it? Do I check it? Mm. So the the youth today don't necessarily know that. And and, And so that is where that education is going to be so important. We cannot hand over full responsibility to tools like this. We've got to make sure that as the humans, we remain invested um, and, and, and conscious yes. of, of what's happening. Uh, and, in, and intentional. Uh, intentional, and intentional, intentional, I think. And I think it'll be a really interesting journey for the education sector, you know, really yes. broadly, from, from preschool all the way through to absolutely. higher, further education. Because and I think particularly in the higher education space, yeah. what is important is, uh, you know, is, is knowing that it's there, knowing that students are using it to write thesis, their research papers, to put together responses. Um, and so there, I know that there's a, there's a very strong call to change assessment practice. So build your assessment practice to allow for it. And I think it's a similar journey, isn't it, um, to an extent that, that universities and colleges have, have had to go through, and secondary school to an extent, just with the internet in general and, and plagiarism and, and, and those sorts of things. So I'm sure, oh. I'm sure we'll find solutions um, along the way. We're, we're quite a, an enterprising species in many respects on, on some of these challenges. Just to pick up on that, if you look at something and, um, you know, just, just the way assessments have been run traditionally, you know, I think when e-learning or online learning or digital learning first landed in academic environments, one of the biggest areas of anxiety was, well, how do I know that Taryn is really Taryn writing the exam on the other side? The advances in technology and the online proctoring and all of that kind of software means that you know, with the right tools, the right platforms, the right software in place, I'm being invigilated by a webcam while I'm writing my exam. And that's certainly, that's certainly how we doing, are doing it in our space. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to say you can learn online, but now you have to come write an exam in, a, in an exam hall. The whole, you know, the whole, the whole experience has got to be online. Yeah. Wow, fascinating I'm sure we could talk for hours about this, but uh, we're, we're sort of we're coming up to up to time now, and it's been a, a really interesting and thought-provoking conversation. I've learned mm-hmm. a lot, so thank you very much. I'm sure that there are people listening who would love to reach out and connect and see more about what you're doing. So, how can people find you, Taryn? Where's the best place for you to hang out? If you just Google or go into LinkedIn and search Taryn Hainsmart, you should yeah. come across. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for for joining. And yeah, we look forward to hearing more about the leadership program with the wildlife and all of that. So I'll keep everybody posted. I will certainly keep you up to date on on what what their journey looks like. Thank you, Taryn. Thank you very much indeed. I'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.